Hope you like that music better than the piano jazz from the last series. I don't think Cole was all excited about my piano jazz. Good morning. So we're talking about Fight Club. Oh, dead gummit, I broke the first rule. <laughs> Um, but uh, seriously, I, as we, uh, I'm a Christ follower. I, I, I know surely you're saying, well, I hope you are. And um, I am a Christ follower and I've got some enemies. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I do. And my fight club is about fighting my enemies. Everybody um, has an enemy. So we have to ask the question, who is my enemy? Who is your enemy? Those are questions we have to answer. Because we don't just fight against anybody for any reason. I mean, Fight Club is a matter of justice, right? Most often, isn't it? It's, it's, it's someone that has exerted power over someone else, and we see that if it's unjust, that needs to be made right. And so Fight Club seems to be about, for us, standing up for what is right. Or maybe even when someone else is not, it's standing up in their stead, or especially if no one else will not. And then Fight Club is about fairness, uh, about, uh, you know, if someone is um, uh, trying to run over me, trying to run over somebody that I love, somebody I care about, you get that, don't you, right? It's, um, you know, we need to stand up for what's right. We need to stand up. So every single week, we are all, I'm faced with various kinds of enemies, you are too, um, which means there are some times when I feel like I just have to fight, right? Um, and isn't that true for you? Don't you face things for yourselves? I mean, maybe you're walking down the big aisle in Walmart on the food side, and out from the chip aisle pops that person. <laughs> you know, the one that's been talking about your kids. And so you have a choice to make. So in that moment, you can either take off and run some direction, or you can fight. And so, I mean, if you're like me, maybe, I don't know if you'll do this, they pop out on the chip aisle, and you take a quick right on the baking aisle <laughs> to avoid them, so that you don't have to do that. But sometimes that's not an option, and sometimes we just have to fight, right? Um, let me tell you something that happened to me one time. So there was this lady um, that said some really horrible things to me. And it was at one of the moments when I was at, if not the lowest moment of my life, it was, it was among them. I was low and I was hurting. And she said some things to me that were just rude. They were unprovoked. They were, they were just, they weren't nice and they weren't right either. Um, and so one particular day, I'm heading into Walmart, and um, uh, this happened in Stuttgart, but you can imagine if I went into the, like, the pharmacy side of Walmart here, it's very similar. So I'm walking in, and as, I, as soon as I break through, I see her about 20 to 30 feet in front of me coming toward me, my direction. So I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. So I take a hard right beside all the checkout stands and she follows in right behind me. And she's talking to me at me right behind me. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. I take another hard right and do a U-turn. I go out of the store 
and and she's still following me. Now she's kind of hollering at me a little bit. I go out of the store. She follows me out of the store. I guess she left her buggy in. I can't remember. She follows me out of the store, still talking to me, at me, kind of hollering at me, wanting a confrontation. I go back. I U-turn, go back in the store. She follows me back in the store, still doing this same thing, follows me in the store. I finally get through to the point where I made my first turn when we did the circle after she and I stopped, I turned around and I said, stop following me or I'm going to call the police. And I don't know what I did after that. I, I guess my, my memory blanks out. I didn't get arrested or anything, I promise. And it was over. But I don't always run from a fight. I certainly did then. And if you know anything about me, you know, my color on that color spectrum thing is a red. And so I have very few actually stories of me running. <laughs> Most of mine are turning and fighting. Sometimes we have to fight. Um, sometimes we feel like we just have to stop and take care of business. You know, when we see unjust things happening, we want to make it right. We see unfair things happening, we want to make it right. We see somebody who is rude, being rude to someone who's kind or someone we love. We're compelled to do things to protect the people we love. Well, guess what? In those cases, welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what it is. But if we're going to fight, we want to fight right, don't we? We want to do it right. We want to fight right. As Christ followers, we at least should want to. If we're faced with Fight Club, we would want to fight the right way. And that's kind of why we're doing this series, Fight Club. You know, there are some rules actually to Fight Club. So what are the rules? Well, if you've watched the movie, you know, the first rule is we never talk about Fight Club. Second rule is we never talk about Fight Club. <laughs> and so um, we are actually breaking both of those rules today because that's the problem. This whole series is about Fight Club. It's our new series. So in order to get the rules, I have to apologize for breaking the first two rules. We're going to have to talk about this. So we have to fight the enemy. We are sometimes forced to take a stand. And if we must seek justice, if we must seek fairness, if we have a point, we have to prove how do we do it and how do we do it right? Um, how do we do it so that we can maintain integrity as a Christian? That's a big question. So listen, if you're not a Christian today and you're kind of checking this out and deciding if you, not just today, but in general, if you're investigating the claims of Christ and trying to decide if you're going to follow Jesus, good news for you, you don't have to follow the Fight Club rules. <laughs> you're off the hook. You don't have to. In fact, as you listen to some of these rules, you might even say, whoa, I'm out. I'm never going to follow those rules. I'm not even going to consider being a Christian anymore. That may be a decision you make. So you have a unique opportunity to kind of see what it's, this is all about before you ever sign up. But if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, these are the rules. This is how you fight. This is how you go after your enemy and still maintain your Christian integrity. Now, this morning, we're going to be largely focusing 
on the new covenant. Um, the old covenant, you see, did its job. Um, uh, at the right time, according to God's plan, God introduced this thing called the new covenant. Um, you can almost think of it like a phone upgrade. I know this is a very elementary thought, but just go with me for just a moment. Uh, when we upgrade our phones, what do we do with the old ones? Well, sometimes we trade them back in, right? We send them back to the manufacturer, back to the owner. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we hang on to them. But what, what do we do? They kind of go to the back. We don't carry around our old phone and our new phone. We have, so if you think of it in that term, it's not that the old phone is no longer there or it won't function at all. No, it could and it can, but it did its job. And so with the old covenant, it did its job as planned and as designed by God, it did its job and then God upgraded to the new covenant. And that was also part of the plan. And now God interacts with us through this new covenant. So there's a very basic explanation of the old covenant and the new covenant. And I know it's inadequate, but it just kind of gives you an idea, just a thought. Um, so finally, here we are, the new covenant and the new covenant fight rules, the fight club rules. Um, so here, let me give you a warning. Even for this entire series, please understand this. Um, we're going to talk about some tough stuff over the course of this series. And so I, I beg you to hang with us through this and don't take any one week isolated from the other weeks. This is one of those series where everything really goes together. So please hang in there tight. Please hang in there with us on this. But here's your first warning. If you would, please tighten your abs right now because I don't want you to be sucker punched. You're getting ready to receive a punch in the gut and I want you to be ready for it. So pretty early on in the ministry of Jesus, he gives us this primary rule for the new covenant fight club. And so what I'm getting ready to read to you in some Bibles is written in red, which means these are words of Christ. So this is Jesus speaking, and here's what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus is speaking to a crowd. He says, so you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor. So, okay, Jesus is here speaking about that old covenant, all right? And he goes on and he's adding something to that now. He And so he says, you've heard it, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now that portion, hate your enemy, was not a part of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant law. But that was how the Jewish people interpreted the Old Covenant law. That's what they thought about it. They just made that part up. That was not part of it. It's kind of like that famous verse that we know. Uh, I'm going to start it. Would you finish it for me? That famous verse that says, God helps those who help them Selves, thank you. All right. And we've heard that famous verse um, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Right. Those two verses. Um, well, we made those up too. <laughs> They're not in the Bible at all. You won't find them. Those aren't actual verses. We are great about making up verses. And so were the Jews. They were really good at it as well. And Jesus is now calling them out on this, and he's correcting their bad theology. And Jesus says, no, 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 that is wrong. Jesus says, but 
I say, that's what he says, but I say, okay, so now we need to understand, this is Jesus here, Jesus who is God in flesh. So this is God speaking to us. You heard it wrong, he says. You've got that wrong, but this is what I say. This is correcting it. He says, love your enemies. And I can only imagine. Love your enemies? <laughs> I mean, wait just a minute, Jesus. Love my enemies like Rome, who has kept us enslaved here uh, for like a uh, hundred years. That Rome, Rome, I'm supposed to love them. The people who have oppressed us. What about uh, the Babylonian Empire, Jesus? The, the Babylonian Empire who came centuries earlier and destroyed Jerusalem and carted off all the children, right? You love the Babylonian Empire. What about Egypt, Jesus? You know that story, right? Egypt, Jesus, where our people were enslaved for 400 years, love those people, Jesus, and the Philistines? What about the Philistines, Jesus, who have killed uncounted numbers of our ancestors? Love them? And while we're at it, Jesus, what about the Jewish tax collectors who are getting rich out of our, off of our misery? Love them? Jesus, what about the Samaritans? As you know, those dirty half-breed Samaritans. You want us to love them? And by the way, Jesus, they hate us as much as we hate them. You want us to love them? And Jesus, what about the that part of town? You know where the prostitutes are, Jesus. You want us to love them? And uh, you know, surely, Jesus, you can't be serious. Surely. This is just crazy talk. It's as if Jesus is saying to them, um, no, you, you didn't really let me finish. <laughs> you didn't get the whole point of what I, I was trying to say. No, I, I'm not telling you to just love them. He goes on. He says, pray, words of Jesus, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them? <laughs> Pray for them. Jesus, you don't understand. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they've treated me. Jesus, you don't get it. But listen, truthfully, even before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus did get it. He did. I mean, Jesus had some experiences where he was forced to love his enemies before the cross. I mean, praying for and loving. I mean, as a child, about a two-year-old, they had to run to Egypt, away to Egypt to, to, to stay alive. Jesus understood enemies. And he probably, probably understood far more than we even know. There was a town um, that the, the name is Sepphoris. There was a town named Sepphoris that was four miles from where Jesus did most of his growing up in Nazareth. Jesus was in Nazareth from a, a young man all the way to adulthood. And that's where he was a carpenter in Nazareth. Sepphoris was a large city four miles just north of Nazareth. 
And here's what happened. Around the turn of when it flipped from AD, no, when it flipped from BC to AD, all right? When that flip happened, this town in Sepphoris, many of the Jews, they had a revolt against the Romans. And the Romans just crushed them and destroyed the city during this, uh, during this uprising. City was destroyed. They crushed these people. Thousands were killed. But in Sepphoris, the Romans took 2,000 people. This is what history tells us. It's in history books. 2,000 of the people of Sepphoris, and they kept them alive uh, that were part of the revolt. They kept them alive, and then all at the same time, they crucified all 2,000 people on all of the roads leading into and out of Sepphoris. And so for days, there were 2,000 people dying on these crosses. Oh my goodness, it was, it was horrible. Horrible. And so Jesus is now growing up four miles from there. And as Jesus grows up, they are rebuilding. Sepphoris is rebuilt for like 30 to 50 years. They're rebuilding that town because it was so destroyed. Scholars believe that Jesus, who was a carpenter with Joseph, believed that they probably spent most of their carpentry days in Sepphoris helping to rebuild that community. Jesus understood. And so here we have now people who know this listening to Jesus. And can't you imagine they would be saying, Jesus, so you want us, you want us, you want us to love those people, Jesus, who killed 2,000 of your neighbors all at the same time. You want us to love those people? And they did it. The Romans did it just to prove a point. And you want us to pray for those people, Jesus? Okay. All right. Sure, Jesus. I'll pray for them. Maybe here's a new worship song for you. Play that for us. I've been in a church since I don't remember when. Moving. Things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher. Good advice. As he told me what to do. He's going to do that. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. And you just pray for them. Worship with me. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. Thank you, Jesus. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Hey, Jesus. I might spit on my enemies. I'm not going to pray for them. I mean, okay, okay. I might pray for them to get foils and open sores and lots of lice. (laughs) Yeah, I might pray that. But Jesus. So, can you imagine? 
right here in these red letters, we have Jesus saying that the number one rule of his fight club is not only this, that that we are not to retaliate, but we are additionally to seek the good of those who persecute us. And then, then, when we do that, here's what Jesus said next. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Wow. You know, it might be possible that what Jesus is saying here is that you and I are never more like the image of God than when you love your enemy. And Jesus goes on, because the Father, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. The point of Jesus, God loves his enemies. The new covenant written by him demands it. He's not up in heaven with a bag full of lightning bolts just waiting to zap his enemies. And if you don't believe me on that, then all you have to do is look at the way that God has treated you. Look at how he treated you. And I get it. Listen, uh, we argue with this. I mean, we, we ask, where's the justice in this? That, that's not just, Jesus. Where's the fairness in that? That's not fair. Why can't I take all of this good God love stuff and why can't I spend it lavishly on the people who deserve it, the people around me who need it, my friends who need it, they deserve it. But that person over there, Jesus, that person, no, they, they don't deserve it. They're my enemy. They don't deserve that kind of love, Jesus. To which Jesus would then respond, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. And he goes on, if you are kind only to your friends, then how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. See, and, and I think this is a big point here. Here's what we have to realize and, and understand. The Christ-following lifestyle is supposed to be different. It's supposed to be very different from all the other lifestyles out there. And the reason why is, this is, this is so important, is because it, it draws its inspiration not from the norms of society, but it draws its in inspiration from the very character of God. A character that, according to Jesus, a character that's perfect. Here's what he says. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so we have Jesus, we have Jesus saying that the kingdom of heaven is not like any other kingdom on the earth. Jesus explains this. It is to be very different. In fact, the way Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven is almost upside down to the way the kingdoms function here on earth. 
Because here on earth, it's about, it's about my agenda. And I take my agenda and I place it on the priority, the top of my list. And I do whatever it takes to protect my agenda. But God's kingdom, Jesus describes as different. God's kingdom, he rules differently. His requirements and his demands are different. The demand of God's kingdom, according to Jesus right here, is simple. It's perfection. Jesus said, you are to be perfect like like God. And, And I find this very interesting, something we need to really note here. You notice Jesus doesn't say we're supposed to be holy here. He used the word perfect. And I think it must be specific because this word perfection, it really means when you look at it, it really means a total and a complete loyalty to God. And this is so very important to understand because this word that that the picture that comes from this word that he uses uh, is more than holiness. It almost makes holiness the standard here, and this is so much more than that. God says this goes beyond the commands. The picture that Jesus is painting with this word, it's saying it is going beyond keeping the law. It's so much more. In fact, Jesus used this word uh, at other times. There was a time Jesus used this word. You may have heard that story about the rich young ruler. And Jesus said to him the very same word, if you want to be perfect, he didn't say if you want to be holy. He said, if you want to be perfect, it requires more than keeping the law. Do you remember what he told him? He said, I want you to go and sell all your possessions. Nowhere in the law did it say that. He said, I want you to sell your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. He said, if you want to be perfect, that's the picture that Jesus is painting with this word. Jesus says that heaven demands you be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. And oh, by the way, Jesus might say, your father in heaven loves his enemies. And at this point in the teaching, Jesus, who is God, could have said, Listen, I know, I know, I know. I know you don't believe me. And I know you might be thinking about things that that just don't seem to jive with this about God loving his enemies. Those might be coming to your mind. I realize that. And, And for us today too, that could be coming to our mind as well. But Jesus could have said, and he could have added in that moment, listen, you just wait and see. Here, hold my grape juice. You don't know what's getting ready to happen. You don't understand what is going to happen in the days to come. And I'm getting ready to show you what I will do to love my enemies. And after that, you should have no question about who God loves. See, that was Jesus delivering rules for his fight club. But 2,000 years later, we have developed new rules for ourselves. Rules that fit in much better with the world that we experience and interact with today. Rules that are opposite of what Jesus took and turned upside down. Rules that are opposite to that. Because today, Christians, you and I... um, We've been battling our enemies. 
And we've been doing it the right way. <laughs> you know, man, if you're anything like me at all, then you've been putting your enemies in their place. You've been doing it with righteous anger. You know, that kind of righteous anger that Jesus had, right? You know, the good kind, the Jesus kind of right. But let's really look at what Jesus said. When we look in the New Covenant, we, say, we see that Jesus said things like, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Which means that if we want to know how God interacts with culture and how God interacts with life, if we want to know that, all we have to do is look at Jesus and watch Jesus. Because when we do that, we find something very interesting. When we look at the life of Jesus and how he handled this, this is so interesting. Jesus didn't go after Pilate. And Jesus didn't go after Herod, and Jesus didn't go after Caesar. In fact, Jesus didn't go after any of the politics in the day, and Jesus didn't go after any of the politicians of the day. Jesus did not fight the way we seem to fight today. Don't you find that interesting? And please listen, I, I'm not making this up. I, this is, these are not my thoughts. We're just taking this out of the words of Jesus. If scripture is going to be our basis, then the mission of Jesus was not and never was the next vote. It wasn't who's going to be in charge of the temple for the next four years. It wasn't who's, who is Rome going to put in charge of Jerusalem. Jesus didn't seem to care. Jesus didn't divide up his time and say, okay, every day I'm going to spend three hours making sure I set Israel up for a strong political future. And I'm going to take the other three hours and I'm going to spend that on the redemption of humanity. Friends, this isn't my opinion. Because nowhere in scripture do we find Jesus fighting political battles. And things weren't pretty in their political structure. Nowhere in scripture do we see Jesus fighting the corrupt Roman soldiers. Nowhere do we see Jesus fighting the corrupt temple guard. And certainly we don't see Jesus fighting with prostitutes. And there were plenty. And we don't see Jesus fighting with tax collectors. There were a bunch of those too. Friends, I'm begging you, go, go fact check me on this. Go check the facts. Look at the life of Jesus. We don't see Jesus planning and organizing and encouraging boycotts. Listen, he probably did selectively choose where to spend his money, but he didn't go out and talk about it. We just don't see it. We don't see Jesus organizing marches against the Romans. You know what the Romans would do? They, uh, they would take their unwanted babies and they would take them to the outside of town and just lay them on the rocks and let them be exposed to the, to the elements, the hot sun and the wild animals. And eventually the child would die and be devoured by wild animals. And we don't see Jesus battling that. We just don't see it. 
Nowhere in the record do we find Jesus joining an organized uh, or disorganized uh, stoning that's upholding one of the old covenant laws. And he's, uh, he's all throughout Israel. We don't see him joining in in any of that. We just don't see it. We don't see Jesus making a list of people who are in sexual sin or people who are living it publicly or people who are hiding their sexual sin. We don't see him making a list and going after them. You see, of all of their enemies, and the Jews' list of enemies was enormous, of all of their enemies from that extremely long list of enemies, we don't see and find Jesus treating any of those enemies on their list the way the religious people wanted them to be treated. Quite the opposite, actually. In fact, if you really lean into this and look, this turned out to be a pretty big knock on Jesus. So, from all of that, it sounds like Jesus might be saying, those aren't the real enemies. In fact, as God's Spirit publishes the New Covenant writings, we discover that that enemy actually isn't out there at all. The real enemy, the real enemy is in here. So back to today. Back to this series. Back to the Fight Club. Back to the number one rule of Jesus in his fight club. If we're going to fight the real enemy, and if we're going to fight in the style of Jesus, then the important thing is the enemy we will be fighting is the enemy within, not the enemy without. Now to help us understand that, out of these writings of the new covenant, which... God's Spirit is the author. Listen to how he had Paul write this down. Paul said in Romans, I've discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. He said, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power. So in other words, I love God's law, but there, he says, there is another power where within me that is at war. In other words, a fight club, an ongoing fight club with my mind and this power. So it is a powerful fight. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still where within me. And then he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here's what I believe that scripture teaches. As a follower of Jesus, I believe God places his spirit inside of your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus. God placed his spirit inside of me. But there is also something else according to the new covenant. And I have no trouble believing this because I live it. There's something else inside of me. And that something else is my flesh. It's in me. And there is this constant battle, a constant fight club raging inside 
divide me between God's spirit and my flesh. And I believe that happens for you. If you're a follower of Jesus too, I know you probably feel that battle inside of you as well at times. When you know what you should do and you don't, you know the right thing you should say and you don't. But instead, you, if you're like me, you explode or you hurt or you ignore or you belittle. Jesus points out this inner fight club as well. Jesus, the night that he is arrested, Jesus looks at his disciples and they have been falling asleep when he asked them to pray. And Jesus says this to them. He says this, Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body, the flesh is weak. Now look, if you don't grab onto anything else that I say today, please grab onto this. According to Jesus, we have been fighting the wrong enemy. We've been fighting them out there when the real enemy, Jesus says, is in here. But how do I defeat this enemy? the one that I have been fighting for years, maybe when I didn't even realize that battle going on between the spirit and my flesh, how do I defeat that inside of me? How do I overcome that enemy, the one that's in here? How do I overcome me, my flesh? Well, Paul's not finished yet. Paul says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he answers it, oh, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer. Just maybe, just maybe if we are going to be part of God's kingdom on this earth, if we are going to be Christ followers on this earth, then just maybe we're going to have to be open to seeing the world the way Jesus sees the world, enemies and all. Now listen, I know, I know that some of us are pushing back on this right now, and I understand that because so am I. <laughs> I understand this. I get it. This is hard for me. This is difficult for me. Leading up to this series, you have no idea. This has caused me weeks and weeks and weeks of homework, of self-work, and I'm still doing it. I'm not done. And it has caused me weeks and weeks of repentance, <laughs> and I'm not lying. For me, I'm saying, no way. I'm not going to let anybody push me around. I mean, you don't even know half the stories. It was in Malvern that after I got a comment on Facebook, I showed up at the person's house <laughs> with some of that righteous Jesus anger. This has caused me some personal trauma and work. But what did Jesus say? And how did Jesus live? Because this, even though it's been there for 2,000 years, for us, most of us, this is a 
whole new kind of fight club. And it's not going to be easy. And I still have work ahead of me. I'm going to be working alongside of you through this entire series, I promise. There's a lot of work ahead of us, probably for you as well. So with that in mind, I'm just simply going to ask this this week. Will you make a decision right now before the lake starts calling your name, before all the ball games start picking up and, and pulling you in? Will you make a decision to come back next week and to hear part two of this teaching? Fight Club. None of this is going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. As we were preparing this, I was like, ah, oh, I just, I don't even know about, but this is God's timeline as we have felt it and it's leading. I was like, I don't know about doing this in the summer when we're going to be up against so many schedule conflicts. See, none of this comes easy for most of us. There are a few of us that, that is a little more natural to this. But for most of us, this is not going to be easy. It's not intuitive for most of us. But throughout this series, we are simply going to be repeating what Jesus himself taught. So, with that said, in our fight club, we've been fighting the wrong enemy. Let's pray. God, I pray not only for myself, but I pray for my friends here today. I pray for my friends who have been hurt. And I pray for my friends who have been wounded. And I pray for my friends who have been scarred. And God, all of us in different ways have been wounded and hurt and scarred. And Jesus, we need your help to understand how to live in this world the way you have asked us to live and how to interact in this world the way you've asked us to interact. And Jesus, you understand this because your enemies tortured and murdered you. Jesus, we need your help. Help us to put together week one with week two and with week three and with week four. God, in our humanness, as we leave and we walk out from any one week, we may be so consumed with our hurt and our scar tissue and our damage that we can't see clearly to your way. And God, you understand that. You have hurt in every way we have hurt. And God, even beyond that, when we have hurt, 
you have hurt as our Father. So we ask you to help us. We ask you to walk with us as we try to walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.